You're listening to It Definitely Can Hurt, hosted by Steve Muir. This show can be heard live on Saturdays at 3 p.m. on KCIA. This podcast comes out the following Sunday. Enjoy the show! Hello! You are listening to It Definitely Can Hurt. I'm your host, Steve Muir, and I'm joined yet again by my lovely girlfriend, Mary Jane French. Hello! That's the first time you've introed me as your girlfriend. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> what have I said before? Just the Mary Jane French? Well, you just said I'm here, I'm joined with Mary Jane French. Mary Jane French is on the show all the time because she's my girlfriend, and I also do, in my private life, fully call her Mary Jane French. Yeah. We, we, <laughs> we sleep next to each other every night, and you're like, good night, Mary Jane French. It's true. And I was like, good night, a little uh, snuggle butt. Because I'm more affectionate than you. Uh-huh. <laughs> sure. So this is going to be kind of <laughs> a different episode. Um, first off, I want to say... Is it Sweeps Week? Are we doing a very special episode? I don't know what you're talking about. Sweet. No, ignore it. Just go on. <laughs> First off, I want to say, um, instead of listening to my show, you should probably listen to some shows by black creators who are talking about stuff that you should be listening to right now. Um, instead of this, there's more important stuff going on in the world. I am doing my episode sort of as normal because I know that this is like a show that people listen to as escapism mm-hmm. and it's something to like... Tune out for an hour and think about some other random silly thing. Um, so I'm going to, you know, make an episode as normal, but um, before you listen to this episode, you should go donate to a bail fund or something of the like. Yeah. Send a letter to Kentucky mayor. Yeah. Yeah. You know, the mayor of the state the of Kentucky. The mayor of the state of Kentucky. We're both a little out of it. I think I think I think we are out of it enough that it garners explanation. Yeah, we <laughs> We went for a, a walk today and we haven't been exercising a ton lately, and so we're a little loopy. I've been I was in a wheelchair in like February and March. Yes. And I've this is the second walk I've taken since I've started to get my mobility back. Mm-hmm. So and this is the first one. The first one you still brought the cane, and for this one you didn't use the cane. Yeah. So this is the first walk I've taken by myself since probably January. Mm-hmm. Um, by yourself? What am I? A chopped liver? Without a mobility aid. I know. <laughs> but it was just hanging there. I had to. I had to say something. Oh, yeah, and it was up a giant hill, and we went and saw those stupid bison mm-hmm. that are in Newhall Park. Yes, um, because apparently Walt Disney bought bison for people, for his animators to be able to draw bison. Yeah. Because no one's ever heard of a photograph. I don't um, know, it was the 60s. Yeah, I know. And and, and They had to see how they moved. Yeah, you see how they move, because it is animated, and that's what animation means. Movement. It's true. Uh, that's why I, even though I do insist that I am an object, I'm not an inanimate object. <laughs> yeah. You're an animate object? I'm an animate object. That's your kink? I wouldn't describe it as a kink, more of a lifestyle choice. Okay. <laughs> Glad I'm learning about this on air. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but Disney bought these bison, and then when after they had finished animating the bison, um, he realized he just had, like, ten bison, and so he just 
put them in New Hall Park and their descendants still did, live there. Did he officially donate them to New Hall Park? Like, did they, did they, I don't know. Did the government accept this? Or is this like a, I'm going to abandon ten bison in the dead of night? No, I think he, like, donated them to the city. Okay, there's, like, a certificate somewhere. I don't there's, know. There's a deed to these bison. I didn't research this. I know has, I'm the research dude, but, has like... people... Okay, a thing I want to hear on the next episode, Steve... Stephen Meir. Or perhaps, perhaps something you could do is that while we're broadcasting right now, yes, but when we finish this episode, before we upload to, uh, to, 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 to the, the podcast, to the podcast, you could just put a little thing stating, because I want to, if they, if the city of New Hall has not named each and every one of these bison after Disney characters, if there is not a bison named Daffy, Sorry, not Daffy. Donald. That's a lo- Daffy's a Looney Tune. I am so out of it. But if there is not a bison named Donald or Pluto or um, Sebastian, because I'm sure after a while, because these descendants have been here since, they, you know, they've been having generations since the 60s, so I'm sure they've had to go through the Disney lexicon, like the lexicon, the Disney uh, catalog. catalog to really uh, get through that. <laughs> Yeah. Anywho. I don't I'm... know. I couldn't find on a quick Google if they have names, but I can do some digging. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I want to hear this. Sorry that I just gave you a homework assignment on a day that we've established. We're already both pretty tired. And we have to make a bunch of cookies. Oh, no. <laughs> okay. So, today's... No explanation about the cookies. No. Today's episode... What? We just have to make cookies because cookies. Um, okay. <laughs> today's episode... Is a little different. I'm not actually going to be talking about alternative medicine. I'm going to be talking about a question that I've seen people ask a ton lately, which is why is it going to take so long for there to be a vaccine for the coronavirus? Um, I know this is a different episode and it's probably not as fun as like my alt med episodes, mm. but I think this is a question that could really like use some, some, Deep dive. Yeah, and some light shed on it. Yeah. I, I would say this is just as relevant to, like, the general mission of this. Yeah. This is this is a show about just, like, general uh, medical enlightenment. Yeah, I think people should be better educated about the healthcare system that we have. Hey, baby. Um, yeah, so, I, so people are saying, you know, a COVID vaccine is going to take one to two years. Um, that's actually a pretty generous estimate. It may be longer than that. Um, oh, actually, before I get into the vaccine thing, I do want to mention, I talked about a study saying that hydroxychloroquine has a higher death rate, um, a couple episodes ago, and that study has now been retracted following an investigation. I don't actually have time to get time or the research to get into that right now, but I would like to say, yes, I talked about a study that has now been retracted. I apologize. But it wasn't retracted when I talked about it, which is why I talked about it. Yeah, I don't think you need to apologize at this point. You're right. But I just wanted to say that it's been retracted in the same pod, you know, in the same source as me saying it. Yeah. You're letting people, you're giving an update on a past story. Yeah. Yeah, I would like to update on that. Um, Also, I'm going to be talking about vaccines this episode. I am not doing a segment on anti-vaxxers this episode. I will do probably an entire episode on anti-vaxxers at some point. I have a lot to personally say about them. I actually got my very, first, very first. first vaccines of my life in February of this year mm-hmm. because my mom was an anti-vaxxer. On the 15th. 
Yep. Is that too specific? No, it was on the 14th. It was on the 14th? It's February 14th. <gasps> I got my first, right! I got my first vaccines on Valentine's Day. Because um, <laughs> on this show, we love vaccines. We do. I would go on a date with vaccines. <laughs> and I would, I'd be waiting at home for you and I'd be like, okay, honey, tell me about your date with vaccines. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, you would. Yeah, I would. I'd be very happy. I'd have cookies ready for you. <laughs> uh, yeah, so this isn't going to be my anti-vaxxer segment. Um, it's going to be a segment about what it takes to make a vaccine and about the COVID-19 vaccine specifically. So that those listening at home can figure out if they've got what it takes to make a vaccine. <laughs> I am sure they do not. Okay. <laughs> Sorry, I misunderstood. Unless some amazing scientist is listening to this, which I would be probably embarrassed by. <laughs> Please don't do that. If you're a scientist who's done enough school and smart enough to make vaccines, please find a better source for your information. I'm just enjoying you. You're okay. enjoyable. Okay. Come on. <sighs> yeah, so um, I also want to say that like we are kind of in a holding pattern waiting for a vaccine for, for the coronavirus, um, but in the meantime, like masks, hand washing, social distancing, all very, very helpful. We're not just like Screaming into the wind on that. Yeah, there isn't nothing we can do while we wait. Yes. We can definitely take those precautions. Harm reduction is attainable. Yeah. Um, additionally, I'm also going to talk about how vaccines create immunity through antibodies. Okay. And I do not want you to confuse this for my saying that if you've had COVID, you can't get it or be a carrier again. Because there are multiple strains, like most viruses, and it has not been proved that getting it results in immunity. Copy that. So... I'm talking about vaccines are going to expose you to it, and that may, that will result in immunity. Mm-hmm. Not saying that if you've had it, you are immune. Just FYI. All right, so let's get into it. Okay. <laughs> now oh, that I've done question. all of that prefacing. What is the difference between antibodies and midichlorians? Aren't those the things from Star Trek? Star Wars. There's a lot of angry sci-fi nerds listening to you right now, Steve. Good. Be angry. Okay. I do real science. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Science fiction? Haha, <laughs> what about science fact, motherfuckers? Honestly, that's how I feel. Uh, well, just remember, Jules Verne invented the submarine. <laughs> Who is Jules Verne? The author of 10,000 Leagues Under the Sea. You would need a submarine for that. Yes, and it was written before the submarine existed. God. But he it. wrote a story about a submarine before submarines existed, the same way that Star Trek did predict cell phones. Okay. I'm just saying. I, 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 I have I, actually have nothing against sci-fi. I just personally don't enjoy it. Yeah, it's valid. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, what is a vaccine? Are you asking me? I'm. It's, a, it's when you go to the doctor and they, go and they give you a little booster shot. Kinda. Um, <laughs> so from the CDC website, a vaccine stimulates your immune system to produce antibodies exactly like it would if you were exposed to the disease and that were to make you immune. After getting vaccinated, you develop immunity to that disease without having to get the disease first. Copy that. Um, so it exposes you to the disease in a way that makes you immune. Gotcha. Um, some Specifically vaccines... in a way that makes you immune. Because there are ways yes. to be exposed without becoming immune. But the purpose yes. of a vaccine, the whole reason that they would ever work, is to make you immune. Yes. Um, I also want to say that I think vaccines are some of the, like, 
most powerful medicine we have in in the developed world mm-hmm. um because preventative they're care. they're preventative they're not you know they don't work to like cure or like deal with symptoms they prevent you from getting it in the first place which is so great especially when healthcare is so expensive yeah absolutely <laughs> yeah i would love i love that i just got to skip polio yeah <laughs> me too <laughs> Yeah, and also because uh, because they're preventative, this is why like so most people being vaccinated is very important. Herd immunity is very important. Mm-hmm. You need eighty nine to ninety percent of the population to be vaccinated for mm-hmm. herd immunity to work. Okay, um, and less than ten percent of people are unable to be vaccinated, mm-hmm. meaning that you should always be able to go above that herd immunity number. Mm-hmm. And have, you know, 93, 94% of the population vaccinated yes. so that even people who can't be vaccinated are protected. Now, herd immunity, it's a term that I hear a lot and I and just from context, I feel like I have a decent understanding of it. Can we go into the specifics of it, both for my sake and also because I'm trying to be an audience surrogate? <laughs> yeah, so herd immunity <laughs> is kind of the concept of... Um, so, so herd immunity is a concept that protects people who cannot be vaccinated if we're using the concept of vaccines. Okay. Um, it would it would also protect, you People know... People who are allergic to egg. No. Okay. Well, no. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's essentially that so many people are immune mm. that it's so unlikely for a carrier to get near that person who isn't immune uh-huh. um, that they are effectively protected by the other people's immunity. Gotcha. So they're like, you know, the other people act as a buffer. And is that just specifically people who are medically unable to get the vaccine for some reason? Or people who possibly don't have access to the healthcare? All of the above? All of the above. Um, Um, So, like, I have been protected by herd immunity most of my life. mm -hmm. If other people around me had been carriers for measles or polio or anything Mm -hmm. while I was completely unvaccinated, I would have gotten them. Mm -hmm. Um... But no one had polio near me because no one has polio because there's herd immunity. Yeah. Um, And so I was protected from polio by everyone else being vaccinated. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah. Um, I want you to know how much energy I'm putting into it because when when we're talking about these things, my instinct is to try to, like, put on a character about where I intentionally misinterpret everything you say and think that words are just different things. And so you're like, yeah, I was never exposed to polio because no one around me had polio. I was like, ah, because you weren't rich enough to do a sport, a a horse sport. (laughs) (laughs) I did do some horse riding growing up. Yeah, I I get that. Um, (laughs) I, 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 I know you well enough to know that that was most likely a thing. Um, <laughs> I've I, just want you, a horse. I, just want, I fell off a horse one time. I just want you to know that I'm making a point of not completely derailing you at every turn. But you know, I appreciate that. I intentionally that. miss. Yeah, I yeah. definitely appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, so what are the steps to a vaccine being made? Um, firstly, one has to determine the genetic sequence of a virus. So Ooh, this is much more sophisticated than I imagined. I thought you just got a sick person and made them cough into it like a vial, <laughs> then you put a little cork on top, shook it up, and you're like, ah, we got the virus, now let's go tinker with it. See, if that was the case, it would not take two years. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so we've actually already, I mean, not we, but like scientists, have already sequenced um, the genetics for COVID-19. 
Great. So we are past this step and well on our way. Um, once the genetics have been sequenced, there's still lab research and testing that has to be done before the vaccine can be developed. Mm-hmm. And this also helps to determine what type of vaccine will be made. There's three different types. Okay. So these three types. Um, you can inactivate the virus so that your body recognizes major components and develops immunity, but it can't cause infection. Okay. You can heavily weaken a strain so that while technically still alive, it won't cause infection. Mm -hmm. Um, This is called an attenuated vaccine, and this is how both flu and measles are done. Okay. And then another way is to pull out specific components of the virus so that the body will recognize the majority of it, but can't be infected because the virus in the vaccine is not the complete virus. Got it. So essentially, this is something that I, like was like, I am not a scientist. I actually can't give you, like, the perfect details on this. I, ha- I, have a we- I have a metaphorical understanding of the last one you just said. Okay. Which is that if they were, if a virus were a kitten, they are injecting a declawed kitten into you. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Cool, yeah. cool. It's can't, basically can't that. They take out just, veins. like, a couple key pieces of the virus's DNA, mm-hmm. and then it's it's similar enough that your your white blood cells will recognize it, mm. um, but it can't actually hurt you. Um, so once the genetic code has been cracked, you go through a lot of like research and testing still in the lab before clinical trials to determine which of these three uh, types of vaccines the virus will be best for. Okay. Um, and then once so so for COVID, I actually think they're doing probably multiples of these like they're probably developing multiple vaccines simultaneously Mm -hmm. um i know that the third method where they take some components out of the virus Mm -hmm. is being tested with covid but it's also a fairly new method Mm -hmm. um there's not very many like i actually don't know if there's any finished done testing vaccines made with this method yes um and i also want to say that most vaccines take 15 years from beginning to figure out the genetic code to it's publicly available and clinical trials are over. Ooh, golly. So the fact that the COVID vaccine is going to be ready in like one to two years is crazy fast. I know it sounds like a long time. It's a long time to deal with the idea of like, oh, pandemic mode, everyone, like, you know, we were quarantined for some time and we're probably going to not be able to like, you know, I think to a certain degree things are going to ease up just because people are going to lose their tolerance for the procedures for that but at the same time i uh you know it definitely won't be until the vaccine's readily available that things will be able to go back to like normal 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 normal. yeah yeah and also just like major kudos and respect to scientists that are trying to do this process in a 15th of the time yeah like these people are working so hard Mm -hmm. um doing it lickety split yeah so once you have a prototype vaccine of one of those three types um you're gonna start clinical trials on you've three phases of no four four phases of clinical trials kind of like three and a half i'm gonna call it four um (laughs) you're gonna start clinical trials on healthy average volunteers and this is usually around 50 to 100 people and these are people who have not been exposed to the virus before okay which is a little hard to find right now yeah because you, um, you don't know for sure, because a lot of the tests that we do are not 
100%. Yes, this accurate. is actually one of the big difficulties in finding, in doing a COVID vaccine, is you need like thousands of people who have not been exposed before to test it properly. Is, are, are, there, are there ships out at sea that have not that have been there for a year? No. Okay. But did you hear about that? I heard about that guy. I heard <laughs> Stephen Colbert talk about him. Oh, um, I didn't hear Stephen Colbert talk about him, but but, but the guy who had was at sea alone for like months and then got back in like March like or April. Like landed in New Zealand in like April and <laughs> was just like what has happened? <laughs> it was a nice little Twilight Zone. Yeah, uh, poor dude. Yeah. He just wanted a nice sail. He's got the hardest... Well, like if I were him, I would be convinced that I had gone into like some sort of C.S. Lewis-esque like... I would be convinced that I was just having another psychotic episode. Like yeah. I would be like, this is... I should probably check myself in somewhere. Like I've been away from people for so long and then when I came back the world is this different? Yeah. Clearly I fell in... Like clearly there's some Mandela effect going on. <laughs> or like... I have fallen into another timeline. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So this phase one clinical trial stage, um, this is what we're currently in with COVID. Okay. Um, this usually takes a year. Okay. Scientists are saying they can push it to as short as three months. And shortening this is not without risk because this takes a year because we're being really careful, right? We want to make sure that this vaccine doesn't have any like weird side effects in healthy average people. Yes. And if we're pushing this down to three months, that is rushing it. And that does mean we can do less Intense testing. Mm -hmm. um, however, in testing. Yes. <laughs> uh, so Look, these... if I see a portmanteau, I gotta go for it. Okay. <laughs> um, this uh, stage usually very basically measures the antibodies in the blood and makes sure that there's no unforeseen side effects. Great. So if that stage goes well and mm -hmm. none of your like healthy average like the the this is like you know a guy who could like join the military or something is the person they would test this on like yeah. it, it needs to be someone who has very average good health mm -hmm. um once we've done that you can move into phase two um which is gonna be like a thousand or more participants <gasps> in the clinical trial i have an idea what's your idea okay so they keep trying to do this thing where uh they they refer to like people who are like having to take unnecessary risks of getting covid and they refer to them as heroes what if we just you tested on the military <laughs> we're already calling them heroes we don't need to extend hero that much farther i mean if they haven't been exposed that's perfect yeah however this <laughs> this thousand person trial has to include higher risk people Okay. Um, and people who have, like, some other pre-existing condition. So maybe somebody who has diabetes could have an unforeseen side effect of a vaccine that somebody who is healthy could not. So we start testing on people who have, like, one other vector of risk factor for something. But not too much intersectionality, because then you can't isolate it. Scientific method does not allow for intersectionality. It's true. It's true. It's true. Another Gotta isolate those variables. Another segment of people that might be tested on in phase two is someone like healthcare workers who's exposed all the time. Okay. And that can test the effectiveness of the vaccine. Mm-hmm. Um... Phase two can only be done if phase one is successful, and phase one is not guaranteed to be successful. Okay. So they're saying, like... If phase one is not successful, then we have to do it over again. Then we have to go back job. to, like, what type of vaccine should we make? 
blah, blah, blah. So again, like three months, but if that doesn't go well, that's another three months. <laughs> yeah. Um, Got it. Yeah. So if there are unforeseen dangers to the vaccine, oh, or, okay, sorry, I already said that. Um, so this phase two mm-hmm. takes two to three years okay. for most vaccines. And scientists are saying they are going to push it down to eight months for COVID. Again, not without risk, right? That means you can test less people, like, less people, and that means probably less... Probably trying to do a higher... The, uh, the people that you are testing, you're probably doing a higher volume in a shorter amount of time, which means there's more room for human error. Exactly. Even, even if it's just in fucking labeling. Exactly. And less different vectors of risk that you can test, mm-hmm. because you might be testing less people. Yes. Um, it also means that if a vaccine has side effects that take place six months later, mm-hmm. might be something you don't catch because your study is only eight months long. Fair. So that's a very rare side effect. I can't actually think of ever having heard of a vaccine that has a side effect that takes place months later, but it's not impossible. Mm-hmm. So again, there's not, you know, there's risks to, sh- there's a reason this should take 15 years and there's risks to shortening it. And those risks are really worth it because mm-hmm. of like how much COVID is is affecting the lives of every person living on the planet. Yeah. Yeah. Those risks are absolutely worth it. It's just important to it's be aware of them. Acknowledge that they're risky. Yeah. And important to go like, okay, cool, we developed a vaccine that is working for now, but maybe once we've developed that vaccine, we should have a team do it at the regular pace. Yeah. 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 Cuz you know, we're the ones making the decisions here, Steve. Oh yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Okay, so phase Three is a widespread use phase. Um, This involves tens of thousands of people Mm -hmm. and screens for very rare side effects. So this might be screening for like someone who doesn't know they have a pre-existing condition might Mm -hmm. have a side effect or someone that has like a super rare pre-existing condition might have a side effect, Mm -hmm. stuff like that. Um, This phase three is also when they determine if the vaccine is an effective preventative for most people. Okay. So this is when we learn if the vaccine works. And there's no guarantee of that before phase three. There is no guarantee. I mean, at minimum, we are thirteen. We are eleven months into working on this, and then we might find out that it doesn't actually. And then we have to go all the way back. To what type of vaccine should we make? Cool. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Rushing Science this is real fun. I love academia. I know. <laughs> yeah. Gonna flip this table. Yeah. Um, also, for COVID-19, they have planned to overlap phase two and phase three. Ooh. So we might not be a full eight months into phase two by the time that they start phase three testing. Mm-hmm. Which could cut down on time a little bit, that but again, super responsible. It's kind of a thing we have to do. Again, mm-hmm. not great because you want to have all of your phase two results before you start phase three. Absolutely. Who wouldn't? <laughs> Who wouldn't? Yeah. You'd have to be a monster. Not. I don't know. Not I'm, to want results. I don't. I don't know. I'm. You're tired. I'm trying to contribute. <laughs> I'm not so tired. Okay, so. That is a good book report, Steve. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> the last phase is phase four, and this is after the vaccine is widely released, um, which we'll talk about in a minute. 
there have to be ongoing studies of continued effectiveness, watching out for any more rare side effects that have been missed or didn't come up. Okay. Um, so even after a vaccine has been widely manufactured and is being like, you can get it from your general practitioner, mm-hmm. um, they still need to be running ongoing trials to make sure that there's not something they didn't foresee somehow. Okay. So, and that stage kind of lasts forever, right? Yeah. Forever. Uh, it should always be checking to see if something is still working. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So. That's why you see that certificate in elevators. Yeah. Let you know the last time it was inspected. Yeah. No, ne- 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 next time you're about to get, okay, here's a hot pro tip life hack okay. for, for everyone listening. <laughs> uh, next time you're getting a vaccine, grab the needle out of the doctor's hands or the ner- or nurse or whoever's giving you, but just grab the needle as aggressively as you can. Look them in the eyes. Grab it. And then look, look on the back. There's a little certificate there that says the last time that vaccine was inspected. And <laughs> there who, is not. And who inspected it. And if it is someone that you don't respect, well, let that be a lesson to them. Golly gee, I hope LAPD Chief Michael Moore didn't inspect this vaccine. Yeah. <laughs> not a man I respect. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I so. call your drift. In addition to all of these steps, there are other hoops that one needs to go through for a vaccine. Um, One is regulatory measures. So there's a really long and careful inspection process and approval process that the FDA goes through with all vaccines before they can be manufactured and distributed to people outside of very controlled clinical trials. Okay. Um, This, the FDA has already said that they will try to fast track this process and do it during clinical trials as much as possible, Mm -hmm. but like it still is a process that has to be done. Okay. Um, Another hurdle is manufacturing. So manufacturing vaccines on a large scale is really slow and really expensive because it takes very skilled labor and very specialized equipment. Mm -hmm. There's not just like a ton of facilities that you can go make a vaccine in. Um, Are you telling me that I couldn't soup up a Winnebago? Yeah. And go cook a vaccine in the <laughs> desert? Probably with not. With one of my former high school <laughs> chemistry students who's been making vaccines laced with chili powder? <laughs> Are you telling me that? Are you telling me I couldn't make a super famous, super pure blue vaccine? <laughs> I would love breaking. I would watch that show. <laughs> breaking Bad, but with vaccines. I would stuff. love that. That would be a better show. <laughs> hey, Breaking Bad's a pretty good show. We should get back on that wagon. We should. But it would be better if they were trying to solve a public health crisis. <laughs> but without all the red tape, that's why we have to get in the Winnebago and go to the desert. I will say, actually, that I believe any show would be better if the primary motivation was trying to solve a public health crisis. Parks and Rec. Yes. Community. Yes. The Dick Van Dyke Show. Yes. A public health crisis in the 60s? I don't know. I'm just trying to figure out... What the public health crisis is? No, I'm more trying to figure out how they, do, how they would do the Alan Brady show without Zoom. <laughs> <laughs> well, it doesn't have to be an infectious disease like COVID. I mean, you know, AIDS was a public health crisis. That's true. Um, we'll have Maury Amsterdam get AIDS. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. 
we're going down a very specific <laughs> avenue right now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so another thing, um, <laughs> about vaccines <laughs> is to get to this man. So, so to get to this manufacturing step, you have to like have all of these phases go properly. Yes. And you have to have a good facility. That's, that's where we left off from the main yeah. train of thought. So only 16% of vaccines that begin this whole process ultimately get approved for large scale manufacturing. Um, which means getting to this step is pretty hard. It's highly unlikely that the first vaccine scientists begin clinical trials with will be the one that is manufactured. Yeah. Um, meaning that like that very shortened time, like one to two years is very generous. Mm. That is a, if everything goes right. If it goes right perfectly the first time, or I'm assuming that there are so many teams working on this try I, I would i would hope they are simultaneously I would doing hope several that yes. they are coordinating with each other to be like well someone else is already working on that version so let's try a different version and we can all just hope we wind up with the one that works i do believe that they are coordinating and trying several versions at once cool because if there's anything i've learned in the last four years is that being like oh i'm sure that the the, the the powers that be are making sure something's running smoothly i can't depend on that anymore yeah I just can't. Yeah. Did you uh, did you ever get to the part in watching Angel the series where the powers that be become characters? I don't think so. Okay, well, if anyone else is a fan of uh, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, the spin-off series Angel has starring David Boreanaz. Starring David Boreanaz has a really weird like thing that they do as they're getting towards the end of the show where they've clearly run out of ideas and the powers that be are like a woman and a man who are painted with metallic paint and they like live in this weird elevator dimension and he goes and talks to them it's super cursed i may or may not have jumped off the series right as that started um i jumped off the series right after they had him have a son and then like an episode later his son was like a full teenager um, yeah because he went to hell for like ever he yes but time worked differently in hell in hell and so he aged quick and so he had a son for like three days and then he had a teenage son yeah um, and that's kind of when i jumped off because uh they really didn't they should i mean nobody knew what they were doing at that point it was a mess <laughs> the last like two seasons of angel are just people going oh god we've run out of ideas <laughs> I love that show, but that's what it is. Um, (laughs) Okay, so... Come at us, Joss Whedon. (laughs) Yeah, so, um, once you get to this manufacturing step, you're like, cool, we're finally at manufacturing. This is one of the 16% of vaccines that has been approved for manufacturing. Mm -hmm. It takes six months to manufacture an amount that would make it publicly available to everyone. Great, 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 great. So you're still, you know, you have an approved vaccine, still half a year before you can just go get that from any general practitioner. So what you're telling me is that that this vaccine for a while is going to be more difficult to get than active yeast. Potentially. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know why I delivered it like that. I was really really determined to just, like, tap the mic after that. Uh... (laughs) Is this thing on? It is. The little red light is on. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) So let's talk about COVID-19 specifically. 
Um, I did some math. <laughs> you did some math! We're gonna get to That's... some fun math that I did in a minute. Oh, I, I cannot tell you how, like, deeply, purely happy it makes me to hear you describe math as fun. Well... Yeah. <laughs> I like I like doing anything when it's related to public health, but you know. Okay. Public health, Steve Mears kink. It's true. So okay, so the soonest we would have a public of publicly available vaccine if everything goes perfectly is eighteen months around August of twenty twenty one. Mm-hmm. Um, which would make it like record time the fastest vaccine ever developed. I said I said earlier, um, that oh, gee, I wonder if anyone would try to credit grab for that. Probably. <laughs> oh, no, I'm just imagining that there will definitely be a, a whole fucking thing from Trump if this, like, comes out. Oh, yeah. Taking credit for it. Absolutely. Um, yeah, so, um, in August, so the August 2021 date isn't when vaccines will be available, it's when they'll be approved. Okay. So we add another six months for that mass manufacturing. The earliest you might be able to access a vaccine, unless you're part of a clinical trial, would be closer to February of 2022. Okay. Um, again, this seems like a really long time, but absolute breakneck speed for this process, mm-hmm. um, which usually takes 15 years. We are breaking next. Um, I also want to be really clear that, again, I'm not promising we'll have a vaccine in early 2022. That's if everything goes so Wait, well. are you telling me that you don't have the ability to promise results on this, Steve? I do not. Are you not <laughs> intimately involved in the government uh, process for this? Uh, no. <laughs> I <Ooh>. wish. <laughs> um, so another thing that we need to be aware of is mm-hmm. that viruses mutate. So even if we come up with a vaccine that works against the strains of coronavirus perfectly right now, by February of 2022, the virus may have mutated and we may have to go back to the drawing board for a vaccine that also immunizes you to the new mutation of the virus. Cool. So there's going to be like a Magneto version. Possible. Okay. (laughs) Coronavirus, but this time it can bend metal. Yeah. So another challenge that I already talked about is you need people people who haven't been exposed to conduct proper clinical trials. Mm -hmm. And people who have been completely unexposed to COVID are getting really, really hard to find, and you need several thousand of them. What I'm hearing you build up to is that we need to clone people. Sure. Okay, okay, sorry, I'm being, I'm being an optimist. I'm wanting this to be more sci-fi than it is. <laughs> but you want it to be sci-fi. I mean, what I'm actually saying is that you, if you truly believe you haven't been exposed to COVID-19, you should try to get into a clinical trial because they really need you. Oh, okay. If you're, if you're someone out there and you're like, I have been truly self-isolated for the past months, you should, like, look up covid vaccine clinical trial in your city and contact them and be like i would love to be part of your clinical trial you can put me in any phase just tell me what you want um that would be like a truly kind of heroic thing to do right now we really need people to do that good point that's my advice um (laughs) especially if you have like one other risk vector Mm. and that's what they're you know they're gonna go into phase two Mm -hmm. pretty soon if you're one of those people who's like oh i have one other risk vector 
that would be great. You should definitely try to put yourself in a clinical trial. Excellent. Um, yeah. So, um, something else to keep in mind when coming up with a vaccine is a vaccine doesn't stop a pandemic. It's not until you reach that, like, 98% of the population herd immunity thing that you can be like, okay, immunity has been successful. Mm -hmm. So, I did some math. (laughs) I know, I already mentioned this. Um... It's okay, don't worry. You will get a very special reward for the math that you did. Thanks. Mm-hmm. Um, cookies. <laughs> okay, I thought it was something you couldn't say on the air. Yeah, I know. That's why I said it's cookies. Great. Um, so, the COVID-19 vaccine is likely going to be a vaccine that will require multiple doses for immunity. Um, okay. That's not uncommon. Like, I think H- HPV requires two doses. Mm-hmm. Um, three, I think, actually. Three? Okay. I don't know. I've only had one. <laughs> <laughs> um, so it seems pretty likely that the COVID vaccine will require three doses um, with the ones that they're looking at right now okay. as possibilities. So here is my math. Considering the United States has a population of 328.2 million. Okay. Um... We need 368,764,045 people to be inoculated before herd immunity is on the table. Um, if each of those people needs three shots to be fully immune, <laughs> we need... Oh. One billion one hundred six million two hundred ninety two thousand one hundred thirty five shots. Yes. In total. Before, before we have reached, uh, like even talking about herd immunity. Oh, I have never, I have never more in my life wanted. I've never more in my life hoped that math was similar to the time that I tried to measure acres and. That was fun. Um, for those wondering, there was a point recently where I was trying to measure how big, like conceptualize an acre, because I'm a, I'm a suburban slicker, a city slicker, whatever, um, and I don't know how much an acre is. I don't have like a conceptualization for that. And so I was like, well, let's measure in football fields. Uh, but then the thing is, is that my, the way I did it is I took the total, I took the square feet in, in, a, in an acre, and then I just divided it by... Uh, one divided it by three to convert um, football like the yards in a football field to feet, and then divided it by a hundred. So I divided it, the, it by the length of a football field, but not you the, forgot the square, square feet. Fo- I forgot to square the feet of the football field. You came up with the statistic that like three thousand feet was like. 300 football fields or something. No, the 3,000 feet was a football field. It was a fo- Okay, well, you were deeply wrong. I was <laughs> deeply wrong. And I really... I... I, I oh, that... that oh, oh, oh. Scary math right there. It is. So, actually, it's some more math. We're not done with the math. Okay. <laughs> um, so, if every general practitioner in the United States gave a hundred COVID vaccines a day as soon as, like, manufacturing had been done. Mm -hmm. If we started, the second manufacturing was done, every general practitioner gave a hundred COVID vaccines a day, it would take almost three years. To get herd immunity. To get herd immunity. So we are looking at 
the absolute soonest herd immunity in February of 2025. Well, so here's my question. That is if just every general practitioner, but what if we just like somehow socialized <laughs> our medical system? Our medical system. Yeah, so, so that you could go to, so that there could be hospitals that are just like, we've got a whole section for that. We don't do 100 a day. We do much, 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 much more. And there are people whose jobs are, I give shots for eight hours a day. So hopefully that will be a thing. Our medical system is so bad. So deeply bad. Um, that like, if they made that a thing, people's insurance might not cover it. You know, mm-hmm. like, our, our medical system is such a mess. Our, um, people keep being like, why... Okay, I'm going to make a joke that may or may not land. Uh, people, people keep thinking, like, why why does our medical system not change when it's so when it's so deeply fucked? And it's like, have you ever tried to leave someone who fucks you really well? Uh, it's, it's hard to change. <laughs> <laughs> the medical system does fuck us very well. Yes. And so, <laughs> this has been... Uh, yeah, so, I mean... <laughs> Hopefully, hopefully, they will figure out a way for more people than just general practitioners' offices to be giving out vaccines. Mm-hmm. Um, another thing to take into account is sometimes when you do multiple vaccines, they need to be spaced out by several months or something, yeah. right? So it might be for each individual person, you know, you can you can access your vaccines when you need to, mm-hmm. um, but it might take six months. From, from your first shot to your second, to your third shot. Mm-hmm. Um. <laughs> Sorry, uh, for the listeners, we paused because I'm making eye contact with Milu, the delightful little puppy that is in Steve's lap every time he records this show. Every time you listen to this show, just know that there is a little, uh, a Maltese a pupper. Uh, there is. I... Just... If I put him anywhere else, he will bark and you will hear him. The only way to get him to be silent is to put him in my lap under a blanket. He's also so happy right now because he also went on that exhausting walk. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I'm tired. (laughs) So this has been a little bit of a depressing episode. I'm sorry. I accept your apology. <laughs> Thank you, everyone who listens to the show. Um, I do have two Yikes Maybe Don't Say That segments that I can end it with. Let's do that. All right. So here's my first one from lovely Facebook. Hey, Antifa, if y'all are going to burn shit down, can you please start with the 5G towers? K thanks. Fuck that! I love when we get politics in with our medicine. (laughs) (laughs) It's in, it's from one of the Facebook groups that I stalk so that I can Mm -hmm. see what people who think 5G is killing them are doing. Yeah, I just, I don't know. I, I, I think the thing that's weird about that to me is I can't tell if that's someone who like, well, I don't, okay. The fact that a thing that is not an organization has been determined to be a terrorist organization is very concerning. Um, Which seems out of the blue for me to say right now. But what I mean, well, okay, but point is I'm trying to like use my words carefully because in saying things that are just like, oh yeah, I'm like, you know, on board with the idea of not fascism. I'm like, uh, a public (laughs) statement. (laughs) 
<laughs> but my point is, I can't tell if this person is like pro Antifa or anti Antifa. Ant Antifa. AT and Tifa. Yeah, it's AT. Okay, we we cracked we have the code. Cracked it. <laughs> oh my god. AT and T is a terrorist organization. No, 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 no. It's exposing that, it's, us to five G. It, no, it's that AT and T wants people to burn down five G towers so that they don't have to put the money to invest to compete with people who have proper five G because because uh, because fuck AT and T. Yeah, AT and T is kind of behind. Um, but, um, but anywho. The, so maybe if you hate 5G, go support AT&T, because they're slow to get there. Who's to say? Who's to say? Really, who's to say? I have no idea. Yep. Um, so. <laughs> All right. With that being said. With that being said, here is my other much longer. Yikes, maybe don't say that segment. Okay. <sighs> Auto-urine therapy is the answer in the present pandemic. Mm. Urine is nature's greatest gift to the mankind. And it has been searched in the last hundred years by many scientists that urine can cure almost all the diseases of human beings. This is apply clear if one reads the book written by Martha Christie, an American writer, your own perfect medicine in present situation when the research has already been done that urine is a capable is a capable of dissolving the proteins of viruses. Corona is also a virus having a protein. There's so much going on in this. It can oh, be wow. dissolved in urine. Now, scientists are trying to get a antibodies through plasma therapy, but urine and plasma are identical, and urine also contains antibody of the intruder bacteria or virus. Under the circumstances, the first priority is to try auto-urine therapy. Therapy, very simple. Urine is available to everybody from birth to his death without any cost. One has to drink their own urine to be fit. Now, urine injections can also be helpful in this pandemic situation. Our Dr. Deschmuck has treated 1,000 patients with urine injection and they all recovered from their illnesses of virus and bacteria without any side effect. So, urine therapy also should be given a chance to treat patients of coronavirus and get the result. We will be happy to know that the result will be definitely successful. Auto urine therapist first try the therapy on themselves, get the first-hand experience, and then talk to others. Oh god, I'd recommend this person read an article considering the fact that they just misplaced so many in that post. <laughs> There's just so many randomly inserted just like a or the into sentences. I know. God, I had a really hard time reading that, how it was written, because my brain kept being like, just autocorrect this to a real sentence. I, like, I, 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 know, I know that it is uncouth to first comment someone for, for grammar reasons. And this and person I, and I, might not, like, English might not be their first language. Yes, totally. But it's when that's paired with telling everyone that they need to drink their own pee in the face of a pandemic or, that I stop feeling bad about being critical of that. Yeah, no, that's valid. Um... <laughs> Yeah. Because I feel like I feel like that level of just like put an A in there or the, the 
I feel like that could just be a result of the urine therapy. It truly um, could. <laughs> like, I just feel like they're... I feel like... Okay, let, 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 I mean, let, if this person is injecting... Imagine, if you will, that we crack open this person's skull and we find the little gray matter and then the fluid is urine! <laughs> um, every fluid in their body is pee! <laughs> so I like the claim that urine and plasma are identical... <laughs> That's my... Actually, no. My favorite claim is that you should inject urine. That's your favorite claim? I... I mean, they did... I was about to say, like, they did the thing that is, like, your metric of, like, when they start telling you to do a DIY injection. Yeah, like... DIYI. There's so many things that I research that I'm like, oh, please don't do that. Probably. Probably don't do that. That seems like a bad idea. And then as soon as someone's like, inject this random thing yourself, I'm like, okay, that's definitely a bad idea. I don't need to do research to know that injecting yourself with weird things is a bad idea. Mm. <laughs> I will do more research on it. I don't need to. <laughs> <laughs> oh, goodness gracious, golly gee. Um, I do like that they say urine is available to everybody from birth to his death. Who is he? Who is he? (laughs) Such a specific pronoun. (laughs) Well, only men pee. Right, 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 right. You're you're correct. I did stop peeing. When you transitioned? When I transitioned, just like you started. Yeah, yeah, I've only been peeing for the last, well, I only started peeing in 2014. (laughs) And I haven't peed since 2014. Uh, for anyone who doesn't know this, uh, it's a very cute anecdote. Everyone I, doesn't know this. Steve and I are the same trans age. It's why we work. We, we have, like, we have a bit of an age gap. Yeah, we've got, like, three a three and a half year age gap, and it's I'm, I'm so happy that we met when we did, because if we met any earlier, I would be a creep. Um... <laughs> I am so happy that it was, yeah, but anyhow. Yeah, but we started transitioning at the same time. In both in spring of 2014, which we discovered by the fact that I Want to Get Better by Bleachers is like a notable landmark in our early transition. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So thank you, Jack Antonoff, for bringing us together. Together. (laughs) I mean, we were already dating when we learned that. Yeah, that's true. Um, but, but I like to think that there's a cosmic level where the, 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 that works. Yeah, but I feel like it also makes us, like, not feel the age gap very much because we've been real people. For like... Yeah, yeah, we, 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 we got, we got switched online around the same time. Yeah. Which yeah. I think, which I think helps a lot for, um, mitigating our, yeah. our age gap. Um, I... thank God neither of us drink pee. <laughs> yeah. You know, I think I might buy this book, though, Your Own Perfect Medicine. I might do a full read of the book. Oof. And do, like, a true book report episode. Please do. <laughs> I'd love to hear about it. <laughs> I, it's like the... It, I mean, if you would take notes even half as comprehensive as the ones I'm seeing you do of, uh... Can I say the book you're reading right now? Yes. Um, even half as comprehensive of the Marion Williamson book that you're reading right now. It's true. I am reading and annotating two whole Marianne Williamson books so that I can explain why she's bad. (laughs) Because people keep telling me she's not bad, and I'm going to do an hour-long episode about why she is bad. Can we get a sneak peek of of one of the more basic arguments that, like... 
Um, I mean, I have one in mind. Go for it. Uh, just the fact that she claims that people who died of AIDS in the 80s just didn't know how to love well enough. Yeah, that's a pretty good example. Which is a example. really, like, it, that, that feels like an ironic uh, angle to take on that. Because clear, clearly people who died of a disease that's transmitted, like, they know how to love. Yeah. My favorite claim that she's made in the book I'm reading such far, such far so far is uh, that slavery was ended by the power of love alone. Like, bro, there was a whole war. Is that what that song is about? What? That's the power of love? I don't know the song. Oh, okay. We should watch Back to the Future. I've seen Back to the Future. It's in the Back to the Future. Well, I don't know every soundtrack to every movie I've ever seen. Well, you should work on that. <laughs> Yeah. Ah, I love it when you make I'm a face. Full of personal failings. <laughs> <laughs> oh goodness. Mm. Um, I'm gonna take us out on this Bleachers song, which I'm gonna have to cut for the podcast so that I don't get sued. Okay. But I can play it on the radio. Dope. So I'm not going to play the song because I do not have the rights, but you all have the rights to go protest. <laughs> My girlfriend is laughing at me. <laughs> I thought that was really clever. But like, okay, show up to protest if you can. I, I can't do it right now because I am not super able-bodied and I would not be good in a tangle with the cops. Um, but if you are able-bodied and white, please show up to protests. Um, do whatever else you can from home, donate to bill funds, email your senators, email your mayor, send a letter to your mayor, make yourself really annoying to public officials, and maybe they'll do something good. So, yeah. Thank you for listening to It Definitely Can Hurt. If you have a question or topic suggestion related to alternative medicine that you'd like to hear discussed on the show, please send an email to itdefinitelycanhurt at gmail.com. Thanks for listening.